You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love Pour Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Out there in off the shelf books talk radio land. I want to start with this off from Brian Tracy. Make your life a masterpiece. This is it, you guys. This is it. We got to get this done. What is your life going to look like when it's at the end? Make your life a masterpiece. Isn't that a great, great uh, encouragement? Still waiting for our guest to join. Our guest today was a reschedule from earlier in I think last year last summer so hoping he joins hoping he joins if not you know I keep it moving so I'll do a book reading if he doesn't join us this morning uh, but I just want to welcome you guys to Off the Shelf and tell you that you are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show Off the Shelf can you guys believe we are almost halfway through 2021 I mean, 2020 kicked off with, what, the February with COVID-19 and everything was like, oh, what is going on? I thought we would be out where I work. I thought we would be out two weeks. And, I mean, it was like over a year. We're now starting to get back into the mix of things. And and uh, we hopefully, when they say you don't have to wear a mask, if you had two shots, there's no way to tell if somebody did or didn't. So I still wear a mask, but um, and I have my two vaccines. But who, how are you going to know who had a vaccine or who didn't? That's almost silly to even put that out there like that. But anyway, uh, so 2020 was a year of uh, I was supposed to go to a, a book event in Alabama, and then it kept getting pushed back because we didn't know what was really going on with, with COVID. And then finally it was – no, we're not gonna we're not gonna do it at all this year. So events got shut down. Then we know how Zoom just took off, and people started doing a lot of virtual events. And I went to a, a really nice virtual event that's generally held in Detroit, Michigan. And I, right now the title of it escapes me. If it comes to me, I'll share it with you. But they hold it annually, and I never gone in person, but I went. I went uh, virtually, and I truly enjoyed it. So there was there's some virtual events that were put together very well, and they were enjoyable. But nothing is like being with somebody face to face, the face to face interaction. There's nothing beats that. So uh, we excited that we're getting back to face to face interactions again. Uh, and then I, I met somebody. I actually did an interview uh, with the show Sip of Inspiration. They they she started it on television and with covid she had to go come on zoom and she said it's really been working well for her uh doing it virtually so not sure if she's going back but that sip of inspiration dr stephanie and she does it also connects it to facebook live so we we all had to pivot we all had to pivot and that change came up out of nowhere there was very little warning and the sports, uh, professional sports, and the companies said go home, and we, that went on longer than anybody could imagine. Although COVID is not completely over, but it went it went on for. Now we're pivoting back, and it's, you can see where people are struggling to pivot back. So we pivoted out, and we got through that, 
and people struggle with that, and then we are now pivoting back, and people are struggling with that. So one thing I would talk about, love to talk about here on Off the Shelf this morning is uh, we tend to have, and I've heard this almost all my physical experience, I have heard how humans do not like change, and we have difficulty with change. And so you see that with with the um, when we have a pivot out to go out to COVID, due to COVID, and then pivoting back, people are struggling. They're like, I don't want to come back. I don't want to come back into the office. We've been doing it virtually. I want to keep doing it virtually. And so that's a struggle that that we have. Curious to know from from our listeners and something for you to think about. How do you pivot? How do you pivot? How often have you had to pivot um, in your in your life, and did you struggle with it? And I'm just reaching out to our guest to see if he's joining uh, the call today. But how how have you pivoted? Um, do you struggle? Do you struggle when you have to pivot when a change comes up? Uh, suddenly, do do you struggle with it, or or are you comfortable? Do you, have you had a lot of experience with having to pivot, with having to change? And I mean, on a dime, we had to do it with the Great Recession, with 2008, 2009. Some people have to pivot when a house fire hits. I had a, I had a family member a house fire hit, and she was the only one who survived. You talk about having to pivot. Hurricane Katrina. There are things that come up that you don't even expect to happen, or you don't expect it to affect you as deeply as it will, and you have to pivot. And that's one thing I really encourage you, going back to Brian Tracy, make your life a masterpiece. If you want your life to be a masterpiece, you sure Sure, better know and learn how to pivot because things don't always go the way we intend for them to go. And change, change, change is always coming. I remember when I started off the shelf years ago, I would ask the guests, and then also as a freelance writer, when I would interview different guests, and I've interviewed some people who've done some amazing achievements, like the woman who redesigned the Atlanta airport and uh, people who've just done uh, amazing works and, and own multi-million, operate multi-million dollar companies. I would ask them, so where do you see yourself in five years? I tell you, the ones who had accomplished the most, at least what I would think the most, they would say, oh, that's too far out. They would say, that's too far out. I can't tell you what I'm going to be doing in five years. I have no idea what's going to be going on in five years. These people have millions of dollars. They're like, that's too far out. The p- people who hadn't a- accomplished as much, at least I'm, again, going in my eyes, they would say, they would tell me, get it in very detail, where they saw themselves in five years. I was one of those people. I would tell you in five years this is where I see, boom, 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 boom. It always struck me as odd when people who were very accomplished would say things like, I have no idea what I'll be doing in five years. I'm now there. I couldn't tell you what I'd be doing in six months. I don't even know what's going to happen next week, let alone next month. There's too much change in the universe. It's just too much of it. It's constant. And we we get in routines and patterns, and we don't become aware of how much change is going on. Then something happens and just shocks us and shakes us. But that change was always 
uh, in process, and now you see it manifest itself, and you're just thrown for a loop. So to make your life a masterpiece, I would really encourage you to learn how to pivot. And one of the best ways to do that is every time something happens in your life that just throws you for a loop, you didn't see it coming, why, why, why did this happening to me, why, 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 first thing is to look back and see the links. How did that event that occurred link to something you did, a decision you made? Uh, can you see the link? So if you don't want it to happen again, then you know, okay, and this is one of the easiest ones is when it comes to weight. Okay, I had started eating two extra slices of bread, and now a month later I'm three pounds heavier. So let me cut the let me cut my bread back to where it used to be. Uh, or I was eating a whole lot of fish. Fish has a lot of fat on it, uh, and it's healthy for us because we need fat on our bodies, but not an excessive amount. So maybe you say instead of eating fish every day, or I'll cut back on the amount of fish I eat every day, instead of eating like four fillets a day, maybe I'll just eat two, or I'll just eat fish. I like it so much, you say I'll eat five fillets, but I only do that twice a week. So just different things you you can cut back if you say, I don't like the change I see. What look Try to look back and see what caused the change. And then I have to, I, have, I can't do what caused that change again or it's going to happen again because this is not a magical world. This is not an abracadabra world. This is not a pull the rabbit out of the hat world. Magic is technique. Even a magician knows it's not magic; it's technique. So you say, "I just won't. I won't do this anymore because I don't like the change that I'm seeing." That's for anything, relationships, anything. Uh, I just, I, although we can't control other people, but I don't like what happened. So what caused it? Research what caused it. Then I can't do that again. I can't do that again. Getting sick. I ate too much sugar. I got to reduce my sugar. If I don't want to get sick again. You got to make a choice. You can't. It's not. It's not a magical world where you can say I want to. I want to eat eat a lot, but I don't want to gain weight. This is not a magical world. If you eat a lot and you don't move enough, you will put on weight because it's not magic. <laughs> unless unless something's going on in your body uh, 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 that's causing you not to gain weight, and that could probably be another issue as well. So make your life a masterpiece. Make your life a masterpiece. And so thankful that you joined us today. Curious again, if if anybody can share, how have you learned to pivot? How have you learned to pivot? What what, what, did it come from experience? Is that how you learned to pivot? Did you have a lot of, of things come up in your life that you didn't expect to have come up in your life? And you learned how to deal with those changes, and so that's how you have learned to pivot. And we don't like learning those life lessons. It it seems we fight it, but every time something that you don't want to have happen comes up, maybe you can use it, strengthen your ability to deal with change, to strengthen your ability to pivot, and, again, to strengthen your ability to deal with change and also to, to learn to research what caused this, particularly like if you live alone, what caused this to happen and what can I do so I can see what caused it. Now I know not to do it again because this is not a magical world. You can't do what caused it again and expect a different result. So get clear about what you want. 
to make your life a masterpiece and learn to pivot. And the universe will give you, whether you want it or not, plenty of opportunities to get perfect or very good at pivoting. You will get many, many opportunities when things happen that you don't want to have happen, when things happen that you didn't see it coming and it still happened. Again, research what cause a change. If you don't want it, don't do it again so you don't get that result again. Or say, let me use this to learn how to deal with change and learn how to pivot. Please, please, please share in, in the chat room tips that you'd like to share with our other listeners on what you do to learn how to pivot. And while while you're, you're, you're doing that, I want to do a, a, a reading from Long Walk Up. And I am going to, it's a work of fiction, but it's a very inspirational story. I'm going to start with section one. I broke the book down into sections. And this book came to me, uh, those who who like on Sipping Inspiration, I shared this when I did the interview on the 25th, the evening of May the 25th uh, this week on Tuesday. Uh, this book came to me in a way no other book has. I was driving through Princeton, to Princeton, New Jersey, and out of the blue I was given guidance to write a story about a, 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 a person, a girl, who had a very troubled childhood. When I say troubled, I don't mean she experienced a lot of trauma, but a very challenging childhood. And I mean, I was told to really give her a an extremely challenging childhood, but she would have this awesome, amazing ending. I mean, phenomenal. So, this is Mulliken, and she's who I'm talking. Uh, she's the main character in Long Walk Up, and her her uh, her she lived, grew up in a community in Africa, West Africa, and w- the area where the community leader took them. It was flourishing when they first went into this area, and then learning to pivot, make your life a masterpiece. The area starts to dry up. The, the animals are going away. The vegetation is drying up. It is becoming from flourishing to an area of drought. And the, the community leader is still, he, he's, he's doing what, he's very courageous, very strong, but he's doing what a lot of us do, and I know I've done it in my life. Just ex, keep expecting what you're doing now to work. But if it's not working, like I give myself maybe 60 days, 90 at the most, if I'm trying something. I'm like, I'm not getting the result from it. And sometimes just 30 days. I'm like, it's time for me to try something different. It's time to try something new because this isn't working. It's not magic. Even when I pray for something, I will shift. Unless I get guidance to it because there's this thing when it comes to religion about waiting. And I can tell you, if I had just waited for a lot of things, I don't think it ever, ever, ever would have happened. So when I see something's not working, then I'll try something different. Physicians do it. Doctors do it. It's, this, it's not working. It's not getting the result we want. Let's try something different. I really encourage people to do that. Uh, I know in my life I've learned to do it. Just sitting around waiting for something to work that hasn't worked in five years, maybe waiting for something to never happen. So that's what the leader was. He's very courageous, but... They have flourished, and now it's not flourishing, so he's waiting for it to come back. But while he's waiting for this change, more and more of them are dying. I don't believe in death, but they're leaving their bodies. More and more of them are expiring physically as he's waiting for this. You know, just 
just buckle down and and just have faith and 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 vision and no, it's time to leave. It's time for change. And so, little Mullican is six years old, and she has a choice to make in this awful situation they all find themselves in. Does she stay with the community? She's only known her whole physical experience after her mother passes. Her brothers, her father passed. Now her mother. She's an orphan. She's six years old. Does she stay in this community? Or, or the only people she's ever known. She's no, not known anybody else. Or does she launch out on her own? And from inner guidance, she launches out up on her own, and she goes up this big hill not knowing where she's going. She gets to the top of the hill. She's tired. She's she's hungry. And it, it, she has nothing to eat, no water in sight. And she's starting to regret her choice. Like, does she, and now does she go back? But the leader had been angry with her because he could see the independence in her. He could see this in her. And she wasn't like the other kids, and she didn't grieve her mother's passing like he thought she should. And she just wasn't somebody you could tell what to do. And so she, with the rolling down this hill, comes into a market, and uh, she, it's like she is looked out for. And if you read Long Walk Up, you'll see that she isn't alone. She is not alone like none of us are, but we have to know when to pivot to make our life a masterpiece. We have to know when something isn't working, and it's time to try something different. It's time to try something different. So I will begin uh, Section 1, and some of what I'll read is is what I've already uh, covered in Long Walk Up. But it starts with an African proverb, however long the night, the dawn will break. But you got to know how to pivot. you got to know when to change. You can't just expect something that's not working to work. If it doesn't work, I, I, and, and before I go on, I'm thinking about even the uh, the crossing of the Red Sea. Moses kept going to Pharaoh and all the miracles. It just, that was not going to work. So he eventually did something different that worked. So however long the night, the dawn will break, African Proverbs, Section 1, Chapter 1. From Long Walk Up, Long Walk Up by Denise Turney. Malaria is feverish demands unrelenting. Its grip firm took more people from Gowate, Africa, than starvation. The disease settled into the region like maggots gone into dirt and indiscriminately attacked toddlers, adults, newborns, and elderly with nausea, diarrhea, painful swelling in the joints, and inability to digest the skank food that remained on the windswept terrain. Three months had passed since a significant rainfall watered sorghum, maize, and other major crops, and when rain did come, it seemed to only feed the malaria. The, la- the last of the healthy livestock, the noise of the pounding hooves going like log, like log drums over the plain, the beat of the collective heart rushing toward escape, deserted the area weeks ago. Animals that hadn't moved were gaunt and fevered. Their bodies lay against the earth. Meat from their dehydrated limbs lingered as a gift to be consumed by the men, women, and children after the meat was purged with fire. Flames from the fire jumped and swayed the way the woman did during Mescal, Ethiopia's two-day festival that had been celebrated for more than 1,600 years. Mescal was a day that was filled with exploding colors, music, laughter, mouth-watering foods, and yellow daisies bunched together and burned in commemoration of the discovery of the crucifix, the cross upon which Jesus was crucified, a discovery whose root remained inscribed in the book of Tefut. In the plain, spittle and polluted river water with feces and urine floating across its top frequently served as replacement for mother's milk. Too malnourished to produce food for her newborn, it was all many a mother had to offer her child. Mothers whose breasts produced milk were given alpha status. 
Babies took turns at their full sagging breasts that were reminiscent of large coconut being passed around at a noonday meal. Alpha mothers were given first choice to sit beneath the drab shade of the acacia trees. They were first to walk, their feeble knees struggling to carry their scrawny frame into the muddy river. They were first to drink from and bathe their children in the same polluted water, its flow ebbing toward the Gihon and Southern Nile. No one knew that mosquito larvae, which became the insect that injected them with malaria, was a single bite incubated in the river. Community members stooped in the cool water and hid their shoulders beneath the surface from the scorching sun. The fiery red star that stood amid more than 100 billion other stars is the largest object in the galaxy, a star that seemed to point its rays directly at Gowati, sending temperatures soaring beyond 120 degrees. Days later, malaria swept through the region as if carried on the end of a broom. It took with it mothers, fathers, siblings, friends, an ability to see a way out of the death hole that spanned 30 miles. Here in Gawate, no smoke swirled out of rooftops. Strong scent of coffee was absent from doorways, except for the occasional flames moving away from burning meat. Nothing in the sky hinted at life. Five long huts made of bundled grass, sticks, and mud sheltered the community from heavy rains. Yet temperatures soaring and rain forsaking the area, adults and children lived both day and night beneath the acacia trees sprawled about the plain. They had lived beneath the shade of the trees for several months since the rain stopped falling. Technology had not yet found its way to this plain, but Kelia, the community leader, served as compass, tall and stout. Bakilia, his skin darker than the cocoa, Ethiopia served the international community, told his followers determinedly that what he saw was all there was. He spoke of memories of how life used to be when he was a boy at mine, his father's inner focus, decorated spear, quick hands and swift feet, a time when cocoa, sorghum, bananas, maize, wheat, barley, teff, and millet populated Gawadi to overflowing until as a boy he thought the produce would go on forever, waiting tall and healthy like the grass to be picked. His father's heroism worked a power stronger than blood into Bakelia, faithful to his off-spoken commands. Bakelia's followers needed his memories. At the edge of the plane, toddlers clung to the backs of their parents as if hiding from death, human skeletons protruding at the joints the way boils both bob above the surface of ocean water covered the earth. The souls who once lived in these bones, who once sent bodies dancing, walking, running, and soaring with passion long enough to make more babies that would die at the fierce blow of malaria and starvation, made their area heavy. Even without the bodies that once held them, the souls could not get free. They put a weight in the area where the skeletons lay that could be felt, a weight that was thick like plastic, sticking against hot skin, a weight that made it hard to breathe. Toddlers walked around the bones, their collective gaze locked on the fleshless joints. Farther away from the toddlers and seeking the the lightness of laughter, older children joined hands and sang songs. Their voices rose with mirth, high above the trees and extended far beyond the plain. Molokin, a short, inquisitive girl with knots on her elbows and knees and a belly as swollen as her mother's had been when she was nine months pregnant with her, sang loudest. When playing games or hunting 
into the dirt for bugs to eat like candy. Mola can endure the scorch of the sun longer than any other child. She was one of the children whose parents and siblings, two sisters and three brothers, physical existence died to the bite of hungry male lions, heat or the malaria. No one took her into their kin group. She simply mixed in with the other children the way paper blows into trees and grass on a windy day. When her mother's body went to the malaria, Mulliken started sleeping on the ground at the ends of an older girl's feet. When no one kicked or shooed her away, she called that place at the end of the older girl's feet aqua or home. Last night, several hours after uh, Mulliken's mother died, pygmy kingfishers, small brightly colored birds, Mulliken's mother used to leave insects and crumbs of food for sang from the top of the, Ica- of the Ikea tree. Before daybreak threatened to lighten the sky, the p- pygmy kingfishers flew out of the tree. With each flap of their wings, the birds took higher elevation to soon they were gone from the plane. The weather was balmy, the moon white. It was as if the heavens were thanking the community for letting them take Mulliken's mother back, back into the sky, far above the trees, the moon, the stars, everything the community could see. Yards away from the tree, the pygmy kingfishers were once perched in. Mosquitoes circled the mound of dirt where Mulliken's mother's body lay. A sizable distance away from the dirt mound, Mulliken, her eyes heavy with sleep, her mind burning with loss, saw an apparition. The vision was so clear and potent. It was as if this Mulliken spirit draped her petite body with fatigue, the way a surgeon steals a patient's body with anesthesia, just so it could operate. Dark went across the sky. Mulliken's limbs were heavier than they had been hours ago. Her chest rose and fell in a slow, methodic rhythm. It was then her spirit showed her what she would never see with the eyes filling her head. The eyes her mother told her were sweet brown. The head her siblings laughed about, pointed at and pronounced, Sonicabra! Her mother stood at her side. Not a hint of malaria shadowed her. She was strong. She whispered, Mulliken, you are a triumphant leap teacher. You will lead a nation. Then, like death itself, the bitter fixation that took her mother away from her, the vision was gone. And that is where I will start, start with Long Walk Up. And I encourage you to get a copy of Long Walk Up and come back next Saturday to enjoy another episode of Off the Shelf. Thank you and bye for now.